And we're on. Welcome back to the Lads Beer Club podcast. Tonight, I am joined by Joe. Joe, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Good, thanks. Good, good. Joe and I met, um, I think, 2018 now, I think it was, on a, when a group of us went to LA to watch the LA Kings play ice hockey. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Just especially for that. Especially for that. Yeah, <laughs> and then, yeah, we... we 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 bonded over our mutual love of ice hockey. Yeah, yeah. It just so happens other things were happening at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I suppose best point out though, we went to watch the, the Tyson Fury fight. Yeah. The first one. Yeah. That was an experience, wasn't it? It was. It was. It was it was something. It was mad. It mad was like um, I was I would explain to people that the, the just before the fight, you know, the pub over the road from the Staples Centre. It was just yeah. like an England away day, wasn't it? Oh, it was nuts. It was one of the best atmospheres ever. It was absolutely crazy. Crazy. <laughs> like, Americans stopping in the streets and just like, couldn't believe God it. Smack. They couldn't on. believe it, could they? they? They genuinely couldn't believe it. They thought we were absolutely nuts. And like, it was nothing compared <laughs> to like, what it could have been like as well. Like, it was only a small section of, of fans. It, yeah. was, it was nuts. Absolutely mental. Yeah, it was quality. Um, Joe, look, one of the first things we do on Dad's Beer Club is just check what you're drinking for the evening. So, uh, what's your what's your tipple? Kind of Stella. The hard stuff. Yeah, need it. <laughs> need it. I'm, I'm still on the course, although this one looks quite flat, but it's, it's not. Right. Um, I've stuck to the course. Like I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with them until they sponsor me. Right. Yeah, it's a good idea. Why not? <laughs> Um, look, Joe, let's dive straight in, mate. So, look, one of the first things we always do is we go back to the very start. What was life growing up as a youngster? Was your dad about? What was the relationship like with your old man? That sort of thing. Yeah. Um, like, to be honest, I can't really have much to complain about, you know. Um, growing up was as good as it probably could have been. Um, my mum and dad split up when... I was five, six. Um, yeah, we'd, we'd relocated from Newcastle down to down to Reading, the Reading area. Um, Mum and Dad lived down there together for I don't know, maybe two, three years. Split up. Um, you know, they're then breaking up. I can't really remember anything about it. You know, I was so young, and it certainly wasn't like a nasty breakup or anything like that. Um, mm. As far as I was aware, they still still got on, just went their separate ways. Um, was your, was your dad still involved at that point? Or was... Oh, completely. Yeah, yeah, completely. And, you know, um, my mum was really good throughout. Um, there was never any issues. You know, me and my sister never saw any any, any fallouts, really. Um, so given that my parents are separated, I, I was young enough for it to just feel completely normal. Um, yeah. And dad was there. Mum was there. Um um, honestly, I had no complaints. I, I'd see my dad twice a week. We'd go there every Saturday, Saturday evening. We'd come home on Sunday, and then he picks up from school on a Wednesday. We'd have Wednesday night at his, and he drops off at school on a Thursday. And that was that was the case for I don't know, maybe what six, seven years until he then okay. relocated back up to Newcastle with his uh, okay. with his new wife and uh, <clears throat> my youngest half sister, who's ten years younger than me. Um, so they really came back up to Newcastle. And even though we were 300 miles apart, you know, I still saw him every other weekend. 
but he would make okay. an effort to come down and see us, you know, which is mad when, when I look back to that now. Um, I completely understand why he would do it. I'd, I'd do the same if I yeah. could. He worked all over the country, so I guess that made it easier. He'd be able to sort of tie in store visits around being near where we were on a Friday. He'd pick us up, bring us back to Newcastle. We'd have the weekends at his. And then um, he'd drive back down on a Sunday from Newcastle down to High Wycombe, oh. where my mum would pick us up and he would turn around and drive up to Manchester for his meeting on Monday morning. And he did that for three, four years, which is nuts to think about like, at the time. Jesus. What that journey yeah. entailed. Um, and we'd been up and down the country so many times that that journey was normal. You know, it's a long journey. You're doing it for the first time, but after a while, it's like, it's, you just get used to it. It's, it's nothing, but um, especially the amount of time that we'd done it growing up. Um, but yeah, you know, there was never, never any complaints. My mum never stopped him from seeing us, um, it could have been as, it couldn't, couldn't you know, I, I have no complaints. I can't look back and say that um, there was any regrets or have any sort of bad memories from growing up, even though my parents separated and lived other ends of the country. Because you, you, you see so many situations like that where mum and dad separate, and even in the same town, people would yeah. make no effort to to see the kids, or you know, even like you mentioned, once every week it can become a chore. But yeah, to to do that journey as well yeah, no. is uh, yeah, mentally. you know, you got hats Most. off. Oh, hundred percent. And you know, and even now, you know, I'm 26. I I speak to my dad every day. Obviously, I, I live up here now. I moved up here last March, so even with the situation, I have been able to see him a lot more than. Um, I would have been able to, um, but up until me moving up here a year ago, like, I pretty much spoke to him every day. Um, you know, it helps the fact that we've got a lot in common. You know, we're big football fans, um, both sports and football team. Unfortunately, um, it's my only criticism of him, probably um, <laughs> bringing me up a Newcastle fan. But you know, not everyone's perfect. Um, yeah, I mean. He's like a he, now he's like a best mate to me. Um, yeah, yeah. Get on. I, I couldn't ask for a better relationship um, with with both parents. To be fair, so yeah, I, I I can't have any complaints with how things were growing up. To be honest with you, did did you did your mum ever remarry, or was there ever any stepdads yeah. from, from yourself? Yeah, my mum remarried two thousand and four. I think it was my dad remarried two thousand and three. Right. Okay. Uh, no, 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 2005, and my mum remarried in 2006. So it was around about the same time. Then um, my mum and stepdad, um, even though I never really called it that, and they split up a couple of years later, quite um, <clears throat> under quite sort of bad circumstances. Um, I don't know the full picture. I haven't really asked. Don't don't really need to know. It just wasn't great. So that was a stressful time for my mum, obviously the three of us living there. My dad had moved back at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was he was in our lives and back out of our lives pretty quickly. Yeah. I was going to say, like, how, so how old were you when you, there's another man coming into this situation? How old are you at that point? So nine, ten, maybe. Okay. Nine or ten. And then, yeah, I mean, they married maybe no longer than a year certainly no one two years and then he was gone disappeared never to be seen again even though he lived in the same village never saw him again 
Really? Yeah, and, and we, we like, I can remember obviously being told that they were splitting up again. I was thinking, oh, <clears> say again, really? Like, and you know what? We got on really well. Like, me and him got on really well, even if he was a Man United fan. Um, <laughs> we, we got on really well. Um, so I don't really have any bad feelings towards him. You know, I always, I've always thought if I saw him in the street, I'd definitely stop and say hello. I know things didn't end well, but like, it, it's weird. Like, I always got on with him. He always had a lot of time for me and Emily, my sister. But then I remember when they split up and him speaking to us about it, saying, you know, your dad's always there for you. I want to be there for you. You're a big part of my life. And Vince fed this story. And I remember he took us out for dinner one night after school, dropped us off, never saw him again. So, I mean, we're not his kids, so maybe he met someone no. else, didn't want anything to do with it, don't know, but whatever, that was that. Was that, that. How many brothers and sisters do you have? Or just a sister? I've got two sisters, so I've got... Two um, sisters? I've, yeah, I've got sisters, a couple of years younger than me, um, and then I've got a half-sister, so my dad, when he remarried, had a another child um yeah she's 10 10 11, 10 11 years younger than me okay and were your sisters able to maintain a relationship similar to yours with your dad or are, are theirs slightly different yeah um obviously my youngest sister lives with him um yeah that's the, that's my sister from the um from the second marriage um my yeah. My younger sister Emily, um, who's twenty three, she lives in Australia now. So it's, it's it's different, you know. She hasn't seen him for a couple of years, uh, living over there. Um, they don't have the same interests like me and my dad do. So we've always spoken for longer, more regularly. Uh, we've just got more to talk about. Um, but they they definitely always had a good relationship. They just don't speak as much as yeah. me and dad do. Yeah, I suppose having that. Football is is much easier to have that bond and build that relationship than it would be with a with a with a with a daughter, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so growing up in Reading, yeah. Um, what 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 year did you meet your partner? Two thousand and fourteen. Okay, so how old are you? How old are you then? I was nineteen. Eight, nineteen. Eight. Yeah. I was nineteen. Eighteen. I was eighteen. Eighteen or nineteen? <laughs> Can't remember. It feels ages ago. <laughs> I'd have been nineteen. She was eighteen. I was nineteen. Okay. And obviously, I guess growing up, were kids something that you always wanted to have, or which yeah. did you ever imagine that you you definitely did? Yeah, always. I would always said I was going to be a young dad. I always wanted to be a young dad. I always said I'll grown up. I always wanted to have a kid by the age of 24. Um, that never changed. You know, I, I, I don't really know why. Like, I don't, weirdly, I've never been interested like in other people's kids. Right? Um, I've just always seen, seen it as a bit of a pain. Um, but I always <laughs> knew I wanted to have kids 100%. Um, and I wanted to be a young dad, definitely. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, that, that came true, you know, came with dad at 20. Yeah. Pregnant at 19. Had two by the age of 24. 20. Okay. Yeah. Jeez. So, yeah. So, so you've been together two years before 
you find out yeah. that you're pregnant. Yeah. 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 So I think we're having a little just give me two seconds. I think we're having a little technical issue, Joe. Um the Wi Fi is not great, I think. Hello. Oh yeah. Back on. Back on. Is it my yeah. end? I'm not. Sh I'm not sure. I've just. I've just switched onto the extension because I'm in the other end of the house too. Right. And um, yeah. Like I was literally just thinking we're probably going to have to only use the audio on this because it's just cutting in and out. Um, but it actually seems a little bit better now. So maybe it was mine. Right. Um. So. Uh, where was we? Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, met your partner, two years. I'll cut all this out, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, two years, um, two years um, <clears throat> from meeting to having the first. Okay. Then was there ever a conversation about kids? Because I know obviously you're saying that you wanted to have kids young. <clears throat> yeah. I guess yeah, for some people that can, that's for some women that can scare them off, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I certainly didn't bring it up, you know. I, right. Um, yeah, I went a bit mental, like in, in my sort of late teens. Um, and actually, meeting her was a good thing because it calmed, calmed me down a lot. Um, and yeah, it was. We, I can't really remember there ever being a conversation. It was just almost like a, almost like a mutual thing. Like I remember her older sister saying to me, "Oh, Chelsea will never want to have kids until she's at least 30. I'm thinking, really? Oh dear. Um, but then, like. We we hadn't we'd maybe been together like six months and and you know looking back now it seems completely mad and so daft but like obviously at the time it felt right and all this you know like yeah and it, yeah it just happened and then it was planned we had a we we got pregnant you know much to the so, surprise so of twenty like, twenty year old and you you are planning to have the have kid yeah okay yeah, no did anybody did anybody warn you off and <laughs> say, what are you doing? <laughs> no, not really. Um, no one believed it was planned. You know, like, that was one of the first questions I, when we told anyone was, oh, is it planned? Yeah. But yeah, it was actually. Um, bit of an odd question to ask someone, but yeah, it was planned. I know, obviously, the age may seem a little bit strange. I guess, but... I'm going to say, I guess your age is playing into that, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, did, did you have a stable job then as well, Joe? Yeah, yeah, I was in... Yeah. I was in recruitment. Yeah, I was, okay. yeah, I was in recruitment. I was doing well. Uh, we'd moved out. You know, things were looking good. We'd been on nice holidays. 
we just got back from the Maldives, you know, like life was life was pretty good at the time. Um, and yeah, all of a sudden it was about a change. And I mean, looking looking back, I wouldn't, I would, I genuinely wouldn't change anything. Like I've learned so much in the first five years of being a dad. That it's made me mature so much. Yeah, I wouldn't change anything, but I would certainly have given myself the advice to wait a little bit. Okay. So talk to us about how she, how you were told she was pregnant. How did that? How was that? Yeah, she was just felt sick, felt sick. Let's go get a test. And then did a test at like half 11 at night, like midweek one time, pregnant. And I was like, right. And at that Life point, was there any, it. was there any trepidation at that point or? No, no. Honestly, no. Like, I, I thought about it, you know, it was planned. So I, I, I'd run through it in my head so many times, like how am I going to react when the day comes? Because it's going to come at some point, surely. Yeah. Um, and how I thought I'd react was completely different to how I did react. I was, I thought I'd be a bit emotional, like all of this, but I was just dead calm, like excited. And that for me made me realise, you know, I'm, I'm ready, definitely ready. Yeah. If, if I'm reacting like that, and that's my natural reaction is to feel excited and calm and, yeah, delighted. Did, did life change at all for you after that? After that, then because. Obviously, most twenty-year-olds are out every week yep. partying. Yeah. Um, so, did did life change, or was it very much it did, same yeah, old? It, it didn't. I was in recruitment, so you know what it's like. You're out, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> you're barely in. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you're out often. It changed. Like it was. It was quite. It was quite nice in a way. Like. Like I said, I'd gone a bit mental during my sort of late teens, and it calmed me down. And then when this when this happened, it then completely calmed me down. You know, all of a sudden, I actually became an adult at that point. It felt, and it was no longer about going out and having a good time. It was I have not just one person, but two people to now yeah. consider with everything that I do. Yeah, so it calmed me down, but I enjoyed it. I, I quite enjoyed out from all of that from a bit I don't, I don't miss it like yeah it's quite it's nice it was nice it was good how did your family react um yeah dad was dead supportive um I remember i told him on his own and he was like he was quite shocked and you know none of my family knew we were planning on it we dare, didn't dare tell him um and yeah dad was dead supportive he's like is it what you want yeah fine i'll support you 100 percent, of course um Mum, sister, her boyfriend were all very shocked. But again, supportive, like, yeah, supportive. Yeah. They knew it was what we wanted. They could tell from the way that we were talking about it that there was no regrets or anything like that. We were we were ready for it. And the pregnancy, well, the first pregnancy, was there any, any complications, any issues with that, or did it go plain, plain sailing? Plain sailing throughout. Yeah. And did, did, were you one of these mental pa patients, mental parents that <laughs> doesn't find out the sex of the child, or would, would no, you, no. you know? mate? We we paid for an early scan to find out. <laughs> we couldn't wait. We did it both times. We ended up having four scans. Like we were just too eager to find out. Um, yeah, and we just kept having to see this little thing. Um, yeah, found out I was having a little girl at like seventeen weeks. I think it was. Absolutely yeah. Delighted. Um, yeah, and, and the pregnancy was was 
was fine. Everything went completely fine. The, okay. the birth was fine. Um, you know, everything afterwards was fine. Um, was that was it was it a planned birth? So like a cesarean or was it water's no, broke, absolutely. we're off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy days. So talk to talk to us about that then. How what how was where were you when you got the when you got yeah, the call? I was, I was in I was in bed asleep. We Oh, it's late. Well, I got the call the day before. It was a Friday. I got a call at work towards the end of the day. Um, she was a week overdue at this point. Um, hadn't felt any movement for a little while. Concerned. Went to Frimley. Went to the hospital. Um, I left work early. Went to the hospital. There for a few hours and said, right, um, everything's fine. But because of where you're at now, we are going to induce you tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Okay, Jesus. Last night of sleep. Um, so yeah, went home, pl- like packed the bags. You know, we were like not many parents get to actually plan for the birth of the yeah. next day. Um, so that was in a way quite nice. Um, and then at four in the morning, she's waking me up saying, oh, "I'm in a lot of pain." I'm like, "Seriously, this is my last night of sleep. Leave me alone. Like, come on, <laughs> not having this." Um, so I went to sleep. It's about half an hour later. Seriously, Joe, I'm in a lot of pain. So I right, fine, okay. What's going on? Just talk me through it. Um, I called my mum. Um, she's like, yeah, it sounds like she's like going to labour. I was like, but we're going in at like ten o'clock. Like, really? And then um, yes, yeah, so we end up getting to the hospital like around ten o'clock. And so it's the same lady that was there the day before that had booked a simple induction. She's like, oh, great, you're here for induction. But like, actually, we think we're a bit further along than that. So she checks and she's like four centimetres <coughs> dilated at this point. We're like, happy days. Like, no need for an induction. Yeah. Like, yeah, it turns out the night before was just early stages of labour. And, um, yeah, away we went. She was born by three o'clock, four o'clock. Yeah, four o'clock was at half time. <laughs> <laughs> was there a game oh, on? Oh, mate, yeah, it was, it was on Saturday, four o'clock. So three o'clock's come. Yeah, she was on pethidine, but she'd been given pethidine at this point. So she was like completely knocked out between contractions. Three o'clock, I got a phone up, like scores coming through. I had Gillette Soccer Special on my SkyGo on my phone, just sitting there. Every couple of minutes, she's having a contraction. I'm pretending I'm looking at my phone. Um, and then, yeah, it went to half time. And then I remember like literally within seconds of the half times coming through, it was right when you see the head. I'm like, all right. Go Put time away. Then. And then, um, yeah, she was born during half time. A couple of minutes past four. Time that right. Yeah, I missed the second half. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say timed it right. She probably, she was 45 minutes too early. Yeah, she could have, should have held out a bit, a bit longer. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, no, like, kind of any complaints to how that went. So. Okay, so, so the, the first two or three months, what's that like? Honestly, fine, absolutely fine. You know, she was quite, she was struggling quite a lot with um, the medication that she'd been given. So she was, um, she was out of it for a few days. So I actually pretty much took more or less full control for the first like week. Um, and I, mate, I was loving it. It was amazing. Absolutely loved it. You know, it was, she was born in December, so I had paternity leave. Then we had the Christmas shutdown, so I ended up having uh, like, four yeah. weeks off. Uh, and it was, it was amazing. It was, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, because for me, two weeks for a dad is just not long enough. No, it's not. No, and you know, 
I know they, they, they now have that shared parental leave, but there's there's no man I know that will ever take time off the the, the partner to to take some time off. It's just it's just not, yeah, you, not you gotta be a brave man so you can bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> so So you know you know that year you're taking off. Well yeah, I'll take Can six I? months of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, everything went fine. You know, the first form's perfect. Um, and then we fell pregnant again two and a half years, two years later. Um, okay. Again, planned. Always wanted to have a similar age gap to that that I had between me and my okay. sister. Because me and my sister have always had a fantastic relationship. Um, so I, I wanted to try and replicate that if I could. Um, so I wanted to have as close as possible. And we ended up having the same two years, eight months gap between first and second. Um, but then, yeah, say, second was a lot more complicated. So was, it, was that when you had your second one or when you fell pregnant? I, when you fell pregnant? Yeah, yeah. When we fell pregnant, I started to have... It was, it was odd. You know, I, I changed jobs. My sister had moved to Australia. Oh, we're back. No, I'm um, Do we just carry on? Yeah, so um, yeah, you, you, your sister just moved to Australia. Yeah, so sister just moved to Australia. Um, there, was a, there was a lot going on at the time. You know, I changed jobs. We'd moved house. Um, sister had just moved. I was, I was close, really close to my sister. She'd just moved. Um, to Australia, uh, yeah, there was, there was loads going on. Fell pregnant, and I don't know if it's a case of just maybe things like all of a sudden becoming quite overwhelming or what it was. There was no, I can't really think of like a defining moment that things started to change, but I just started to have bad days, and that's what they felt like. They just felt like bad days, and I'd come home and I'd feel a little bit down, a bit stressed out, and I, was, I just put it down to having a bad day. Um, you know, she was pregnant, there was a lot going on, but I didn't talk about it. You know, she's pregnant, she's got her own stuff. I'm certainly not mm -hmm. going to bring up my stuff, I'm there to look, to look after her. Um, but then these bad days start to get more frequent, um, and I, I started to notice that. Joe, um, just, just describe a bad day. What, what, what would a bad day be like? like? You know, like when you come home, you've had, you've had a really bad day at work, and yeah. you just sort of feel a bit deflated. It was just, it was like that, and that's. That's why I just put it down to I was just having a bad day. But then those bad days would happen at weekends. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not at work at weekends. So why am I having a bad day at a weekend? You know, I'm with my little. Yeah. And the football's on or whatever. Like, I'm busy. I'm seeing friends. And so they became more um, more regular. And then they didn't just then start to become more regular. They became, they started to become um, like almost more, like more severe. Like they would... It was. It was all of a sudden. It was. It was no longer a bad day. It was. Um, like I'm, I'm. I really don't feel good. Um, I didn't. I didn't talk to anyone about it. You know. 
typically I want to try and deal with this myself. Not even, um, you, not even your partner? No, I didn't talk to anybody about it at all. And this went on for basically the whole pregnancy it went on for. Um, Did you, was she starting to notice that you weren't no, yourself? No, no one noticed. No one noticed, you know. I think I did a very good job of disguising. You know, I, <coughs> I was going to say, I was always thinking in my mind that she's pregnant. She has lots of stuff going on. I need to be there yeah. for her. So whatever nonsense is going on with me, as it felt, I just need to block that out and concentrate on her. So that's what I tried to do. Um, so she almost put it's game face, game time. Yeah, hundred percent. No one knew. No one could tell at work. And, and like I said, he became like daily. Like I had it more, came to, came to one, I had it more than I didn't have it. Right. Um, and I, I put it down to stress, you know, worrying about a second one coming and all of this. And then second one was born, no problems with the pregnancy. Pregnancy was, was fine. Um, she was induced for the second one. But again, pretty much went as well as it could have gone. Um, and then a couple of weeks after birth, she was in hospital um, with a urine infection. And that was quite stressful. Like, it wasn't anything too serious, but seeing your little baby in hospital is very stressful. Like, yeah. Even if you know that things are going to be okay, it's still horrible, um, hard to deal with. Um, and that, for me, was like the moment, really, where things really started to go downhill. Um, and that... Yeah, that really bothered me. And actually, I spent a lot of time with her in hospital. Um, so Chelsea could get home and have some rest. Um, so I spent a lot of the nights in hospital. I think she was in for about three weeks. Um, three of the first How old? Weeks. How old are you? She was two weeks when she went in. So she wow. at five weeks, she'd been in hospital longer than she hadn't been. But then she came out and she was fine. Um, and she was fine, but I wasn't. You know, it's like she recovered in hospital, but I certainly didn't. Things got a lot worse. Um, and it wasn't until about, she was about nine, probably about nine months, that things were very bad. Um, and I was quite scared of what was happening. So I decided, well, I need to, I'm going to go to doctors. I need to speak to someone about this. Because what I'm doing isn't working. Um, something needs to change. No, I need to see this for my kids. I'm going to go to the doctor and speak to the doctor about it. And I didn't get anything from them at all. Complete waste of time. Um, so I went home, and actually that made me that made me worse. Um, yeah, it's almost like you've 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 tried to reach out for help, and then yeah, and I just got nothing. You just right, get, getting put Sorry. getting custard pied, and yeah, that's pretty much. And yeah. then I thought, well, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to request to see somebody else and hopefully this person will listen to me and I went back spoke to somebody else and then that's when they spoke to me about um like postnatal depression and I thought well what are you on about I'm I'm a, I'm a man like <laughs> men don't have postnatal depression like I don't understand I was really confused and I've, I've not spoken to anybody about this and so no one knows about this so I kept it to myself because it, it sort of felt a bit embarrassing to be honest like that's like something that like women get after birth, like sometimes, and it's not nice. Like I'm, I'm a dad. Like that doesn't doesn't make sense. And I looked into it, and actually, when I was reading through it, it made a lot of sense. Although I'd spent a lot of time with Charlotte in the hospital, when she came out, she was not interested in me. I couldn't comfort her. She only wanted her mother, and that that really 
did actually bother me. Um, and I think that that was a big part of that was the fact that I was getting absolutely nothing from her. Yeah. Um, and nothing that I could do would sell her. So that didn't help. Obviously, I wasn't feeling great as it was. And all of a sudden, I was starting to feel a bit worthless. You know, like my, my like, few-week-old kid doesn't want to know me. Like, how rubbish can I be? Um, so yeah, Because I, I suppose at that point, you're already a couple of months into starting to feel mm. bad. Mm. And then that, that happens mm. to push you even further away, yeah. I guess. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, I then got referred on to um, talking therapies. And again, when I first said it, I thought, this isn't for me, but I'm going to go with it because, like I say, something needs to change. And what yeah. I'm doing now isn't working. So we'll, we'll go with the flow and see what happens. So I went and it started with a fortnightly conversation on a Tuesday, um, six sessions, chat about your problems give you coping techniques, this, that, and the other. Because I started to have, like, panic attacks and stuff at home. Um, like, panic attack type situations um, about nothing. Literally mm. nothing. I'd be sat on the sofa, completely relaxed, and the next thing, feel like a rabbit in headlights, um, completely feeling worthless, like, just not really know what to do myself. Um, so I was giving coping techniques. They weren't working. So six weeks went by, six sessions went by, and they referred me on to intensive CBT, which was every week on a Tuesday going in for face-to-face appointments. So I'd go in, have these face-to-face appointments, and although I'd come away feeling, it actually felt like I was getting somewhere. Um, and they'd work for that day. The next day it was like nothing happened. I was back to where it was. And I had quite a few of these sessions. Um, but although I was having these sessions, and yes, I was getting help, I was getting worse. Okay. Did, did they prescribe you anything, or was it... Or... They, they didn't. Um, I went back to the doctors because I got to a very, very, very bad place <clears throat> and situation. Um, I, I planned bad things to happen. Um, like I fully planned out, you know, like p- planned completely from start to finish, except like, everything was like prepared to the point of um, going, going to the shop every day, different shops every day and buying tablets, um, new, like, researched exactly what I needed to do um, for it to work. Um, the amount um, up until the point that I'd I'd, I'd written a goodbye. It got to that point. It got that bad. I'd written a goodbye. Um, So at at this point, have you you still not told any of your friends or your partner? Does anybody know what's going on with you at this point? Yeah, they do now. Um, Not to the depth. The extent, yeah. With you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is the first time I'm actually talking about how far it went. Um, but they know I've gotten help. Um, you know, my partner knows, my mum and dad know, my sister knows, everybody that needs to know, they know. Um, it got <clears> to that point where like, I needed to talk about it. I needed 
people to know in case it got that bad that I couldn't just call the doctors. Uh, somebody was there in case I needed them. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I say, everything was planned out. I'd written what I wanted to leave message behind, you know, and I, it got to the point where I had everything literally ready and I got a phone call from my partner and it was my daughter on the phone and she wanted to talk to me. I was at work, you know, I was working from home on my own, set up my business at this point. Um, this was last year. Um, ironically, it was this day last year. Um, and yeah, so she called, spoke to my daughter and I just, for me, I, at that point, I put the phone down and I just thought, but I can't, this, this isn't right. Like, this isn't the right thing to do. It's not fair. Um, no matter how bad things are for me, I know I'm a good dad. I know I've done the best I possibly do for both of my kids up until this point. Can't leave them thinking that either I didn't care or wasn't strong enough or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I basically just cried for the rest of the day and then went home, acted like nothing had happened. No one knew. And that was it. Things never, thankfully never gotten back to that point again. Um, but the only person that could tell was the person that I was seeing on a weekly basis. You know, I had seen him that morning and even though they were an hour session, I'd spent two hours with him because he wouldn't let me go. Were, he knew were you, were you being were you being open with him or not? No. But I guess he could see the signs of he, he, Yeah, he, he he knew. I'm convinced that he knew. Um because he like he, he even asked me at the end, he goes, you know, I shouldn't ask you this, but I'm concerned. Like I think there's a lot you're not telling me. Um and I'm worried. I'm genuinely worried about letting you go. Um I said it was an hour session, it was two hours into it. Two hours into it, he basically just didn't take a lunch break and just kept talking to me because he didn't want to let me go. <clears throat> Do you obviously going through that and having that once a week session do you think that's enough is there is there enough support for 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 people out there there's not there's not enough support right because i went i went to the doctors and it it, it genuinely makes me feel angry because i think i think because it's still so recent and i still do struggle you know i i am still on medication you know i still have struggles nowhere near as much not as frequent and nowhere near as severe um but i still have bad days it's still unexplained, but like I've learned that that's like that's okay. That's just what it is now. Like I've just got yeah. to deal with that. Um, but no, there isn't. There isn't enough. There isn't enough. I went to the doctors and I was told we think you have this. Now what? Yeah. They never checked back in with me. Yeah, I mean. I had to go and make that step to get help yeah. on numerous occasions. You know, I, yeah. I actually went and asked for help. And the first time I was turned away, basically, but pretty much just didn't believe me. Yeah. Second time, thankfully, they believed me. They told me what they thought was up. 
and still walked away. Well, we think you got this. All right, thanks. Yeah. Okay. I then had to then go for a third time and ask for help. Um, but no, it's not enough. And, you know, and what, what actually bugged me through the second pregnancy, and not first, because I never even really, rem- like, bad an eyelid towards it the first time, but the second time, certainly, like afterwards, you have these visits from health visitors, and they come in, they look at your child, and they, take, they check over your child, whatever. They speak to mum, and I'm sat there on the sofa with this health visitor. I'm not asked a single question. No. No, how are you, Dad? It's all about mum. It's all about baby. Nothing about me. And actually, yeah. I'm the one that really isn't good. I'm really yeah, but, not in a good place. But nobody knows because nobody asks. Nobody asked. Yeah, it, it's funny. Um, what I've got, I've got a friend who we did this podcast with a couple of weeks ago, Greg, and he was talking about. Um, so they had three miscarriages, and he was saying that you know he didn't, he wasn't doing too well through you know second or third one of that, but no one asked him. Like he, he said, nobody, yeah. nobody asks how dad is. Like it's always. You know, my, my my wife, and obviously he wants her to be looked after, but at the same yeah. time, nobody even thinks to say, hold on a minute, mate, how are you doing? Are, are yeah, you okay right. with this? Yeah. I know, obviously, the lady's carrying the baby, of course. You've got to look after the, the lady 100%. But we are massively emotionally invested in this. Like, Yeah. It's my child, and it's... A massive experience for me to go through just so i didn't deliver like bring this baby into the world doesn't mean that like i haven't had to adapt so much for this yeah <laughs> but you know it is what it is i'm not the only one right most dads will experience that whether they notice it or not they will experience it and i still get it now you know i made a note on my phone the other day knowing that we we're gonna have this conversation today on tuesday I went to pick up my uh, my daughter from nursery. Obviously, nursery's still going. So I went to pick up my daughter from nursery. It was raining. So Chelsea stayed in the car, and I went out, and I went to the, the front door, knocked on the door. I'm here to pick up Charlotte, no problem. Brings her to the door. She'd been off the day before, not very well. She's a bit off her food. So the lady comes, uh, te- like teacher comes to the door. I say, oh, how, how was she today? Did she eat? Did she sleep? Did she have a nap? And then she starts to talk to, talk to me. And then obviously Chelsea can see that um, she's telling me about Charlotte. So Chelsea gets out of the car, comes to the door. And as Chelsea's coming to the door, the lady goes, oh, one second, I'll just wait because mum's coming. So like, okay, fair enough. She's going to tell us both at the same time. Well, as soon as mum turns up, I then wasn't looked at. I had no eye contact. <laughs> it was as if I wasn't there. It was a conversation yeah. directly between her and mum about how Charlotte got on. And I basically may as well have not been there. Why? Why? <clears throat> I experienced that exact same thing at my nursery. It's it bugs the life out of me. Like, yeah. you know, when I when I go and drop Leo or pick him up, compared to when my wife goes and she they'll talk, they'll talk, tell them everything. It's totally you know different. in depth. When it's me, it's like there you go, see you later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not that I don't care. It's mm. that you know what you're getting, what you're getting back. You can't even have a conversation. Yeah, and what I don't understand about it is I asked the question. <laughs> I asked the question, and you're giving her the answer. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it happens all the time. 
all yeah. the time. No, you're definitely right, though. Is there's nobody, nobody checks on dads, and um, <clears throat> they really, they really need to because, you know, I've been, I've been sort of champion, championing the, the, the suicide cause, and I'm uh, doing a lot, doing a bit of work for Calm at the moment, and there's that statistic that 75% of all suicides in the UK are, are men, but. The one statistic that people don't talk about is that three thirty-three percent of them are all are newborn far, yeah, newborn new dads. Yeah, and I think there needs to be a lot more, a lot more done to recognise that men need as much attention and care mentally, yeah, as mum does. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Joe was. Obviously, you didn't speak to any of your mates about what was happening. Why do you think that is? It's just a typical blokey thing, isn't it? You know, like, when you see your... Like, for me, when I saw my mates, I didn't want to talk about that. When I saw my mates, it was an escape. It was an opportunity to lock that person away and be the person that I wanted to be and that I wanted people to know me as. So whether I went to the football, like, you, you know, I, I go, I, I used to. Yeah go to the football a lot, even as a dad, I'd travel a lot for, for football, you know, I'd meet up with mates, I'd go to football, I'm there for the football, I'm there to have a good time with my, my mates, I'm not there to talk about that stuff, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So for me, it was always an escape, um, it wasn't that I didn't feel like I could talk to them, I know if I needed to, I could definitely have picked up the phone and had a conversation with them, for sure. Um, but it was, it, was, it was an opportunity to just like, to escape to get away from from that it's the only time that i could just like pretend that everything was fine but you you are still bottling it up though by doing that aren't you, 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 you yeah it's definitely not the right thing to do 100 no. it's not the right thing to do but you know what i know it's not the right thing to do but i'll still do it would you would you still do it now like no obviously knowing what you've been through what you're going through yeah would you still i probably would do i probably would do unless somebody asked me no, I wouldn't okay. have a conversation. You know, if somebody, like for me, talking about it to somebody that I knew, like talking to the therapist about it was fine because I didn't know him. And I walk out the yeah. door, doesn't matter, it's strange. Yeah. Talking to my parents was hard, really hard because, you know, I was the only boy. I had two younger sisters. So, you know, and especially with my mum, like my dad wasn't there. Um, so I was a man of the house always growing up. I wanted to be seen as this strong person and by talking about that definitely wasn't didn't feel like a strong person in the house so it was yeah it was really hard to talk about it um but actually when I first spoke to somebody about it, the first person I spoke to about it was Chelsea um getting that off my chest for the first time then made the conversations afterwards a lot easier um so yeah I mean if one of my friends said to me now you don't seem you don't seem right like, I'm sure some of my friends will see this and I think really like i can't believe it and they'll yeah. probably talk to me about it and if they talk to me about it then i'm no longer like embarrassed about it because it is what it is i'm not the only one going through it no. um and i certainly don't want to get to the point that i was on 25th of february last year um so by talking about it if that makes it better and yeah. that helps other people i certainly don't want anybody else to feel like i felt then I'll talk about it. Yeah. And do you, do you feel like speaking about it is 
making things a little easier? Easier to come to terms with. It's not making it easier in the sense that it will still happen. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm right now. I'm absolutely fine. I might go to bed absolutely fine. I might wake up in the morning and feel dreadful. There's no. Yeah. It, we've not been able to identify a trigger. We've not been able to identify a cause. There's, there's no. There's no explanation for it as it stands. And uh, the people have like really dug deep into everything to do with me to try and work it out. And we're yet to find the answer to it. So that again, that's what that's that is what it is. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just just got to get on with it, I guess, and just yeah, talking about it, it, it makes it easier to understand it for me. Yeah, doesn't make it better. But- doesn't make it easier, but it makes it um, more livable. Because I guess I think you said it, you said you said it a second ago where you talking about it to your mates almost would be a, a bit of shame. Yeah. And now by being able to open being open about it, and people will obviously ask you how you're doing, what you up to, how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Maybe that will help you to be able to feel a little bit better in yourself to communicate that because yeah. hiding that, like you said, going to football and bottling it up is to you is it's an escape from what's going on and the reality of what's at home and yeah. that. But that isn't a small thing. It's a it's a massive, massive thing that you're just shutting off for a second, not dealing with. Mm. And ultimately, that there's going to come come a point like where you were at last February, where you can bottle it up for so long. And something's going to happen. So by being able to be open about it and talk about it and and try and get the help that you need to, then that's hopefully that's that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, and and, you know, on this day last year, you know, like I said, what this is the significant day. Um, At this point, no one, no one knew, no one had a clue. So I let it get to, in a sense, the end without telling anybody yeah um and by then talking about it and actually just letting my guard down and just acknowledging that actually this is who i am at the minute and i do need help and i'm not right yeah and talking to people that care about me i've never got into that point again yeah but nothing yeah. really significant has changed in that time maybe you don't feel like it has mm. but like i said you've 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 almost shone a light on what's what's been going on like the darkness in your head yeah. and by by doing that yeah that's what i mean when i say it feels more livable now yeah it's not easy i have i have bad days but it's yeah of course it's, yeah it's live, like i understand it more if that makes sense yeah what what do you think needs to to change obviously it might be a hard one to answer because obviously you you're still living it at the moment but mm-hmm. what what do you think needs to change for men out there that are that are struggling that do need help that do need support yeah it's it's a tough one you know because i see you see a lot more nowadays on tv about like men's mental health and yeah like talking about it um but just adverts on TV and stuff like that isn't going to change anything. No. I don't see an advert on TV and think, oh, I'm going to get help. 
like I seen advert on TV and think you guys probably don't actually have a clue the reality of the situation. So I don't know what the answer to it is, um, but something like something needs to happen more than just talking about something happening. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. the answer to that is. Um, I think there needs there certainly needs to be more resource from yeah. from the government because when somebody comes to ask for help, they need to get help. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that's that's the mad thing about the situation, right? I've seen advert on TV about help and the, all these statistics, like you mentioned earlier. And then there I am. I'm going to the doctors. I'm asking for help, and I don't get it. So what are you supposed? To, what are you supposed to do? What if I was at that point this time last year when I got yeah. to the doctors, and that was the tipping point for me? Yeah. Like and that's this. just that. That's negligence on the on the. Yeah, the doctor's part. And I didn't tell anyone I was going to the doctor, so nobody would have known that I was at the doctor's earlier that day or, or whenever. Do you know what I mean? So you can go and ask for help. But there needs to be something more than that. But I don't, I don't yeah. know what that is. I don't know what that is. Um, maybe on the parental thing, there needs to be something specifically dedicated to caring for dads that that definitely yeah. needs to happen you know like i'm at an age now i'm 26 a lot of my friends now are either new dads or having babies yeah and i i do actually worry about them because i i i've lived it you know I yeah it. so in a way i'm sort of in a weird way i, I take the positive from that situation and i know that i would always be there for my friends going through it. And I would always keep an, a closer eye on those friends that are yeah. going to be first time dads. Um, you know, not like being to the point about it, but certainly asking questions in a way that allows them to maybe open up if they want, if they want to. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think not that I think that's the answer, but, you know, one of the reasons I started doing this was, you know, I started, I started the blog and I then started looking into men's mental health because my, you know, I was one of them people that you, you'll know people like this, but people that they didn't think mental health was real. You know, it was yeah, like yeah. It's mental health for people that are upset and they just need to get better. Yeah, um, right. And that was me for a very long time. You know, people, you know, I, I, I've not, I, this last six months i've really started to struggle and have those days like you where mm -hmm. you don't know what's up you know you'll wake up in the morning and I, i'll say to my partner i don't know what's wrong like i don't feel i don't feel good yeah um and that's you know so for the last six months i've started to recognize that actually this is real and this is this is something that needs to to change or there needs to be help so i started looking at uh, just googling you know what support and I really struggled to find anything. Yeah. Um, now, subsequently, since doing this, instead starting the the Facebook page and the Instagram page, I have managed to find a community of people that are doing a similar thing. But I suppose the point is, it's not easy to find, yeah. and that's what needs to change. And I think these communities of people they need to have more of a light shone on it. Shone on it. Yeah, we need we need to talk more, and I think buyers, lads, it's just breaking down that 
ma- that masculine image where men don't get upset, men don't cry because that's, it's that's the big problem. That is the yeah. big problem. Yeah, you want to be and that man with your mates. Where's the, yeah. the, the 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 pal that you're sat opposite or on the phone to that you're being pally pally with might be experiencing the exact same thing as you. Yeah, and you need each other and you don't realise it. Yeah, yeah, and do you know what? In my experience, I think you know people can shoot me down for this, but I think guys can be a better ear than a lot of women can. You know, and uh, you know, you know, when you're really, you're when you're really down, you're really not feeling well, and you've got a good friend that you can speak to and talk about it. It's better than any conversations I've had with any yeah. women in the past, for sure. But it's like, it's, yeah, it's just it's breaking those stereotypes of asking for help, and and also, I think I think the biggest the biggest problem is there's a fear of showing vulnerability. And if you show yourself as being vulnerable, you you you're weak and you you're rubbish and you're not a man. And I think that is one of the biggest things to change. But I also think one of the positive things that's going to come out of this coronavirus pandemic is that there's a, there's going to be a lot more people that need help men for, for mental health on the back of these lockdowns and people losing yeah. their job. So I think there's going to be more and more people that are aware and conscious of the situations and what's happening and people will start to see the signs of when people need help. Yeah. And I think that's the positive that can come from, from what's happened to this, to this pandemic. Yeah, definitely. So where are you, where are you today, Joe? Are you, uh, are you on, on an upwards trajectory or? I think think so. Well, yeah, I am, you know, if if we compare the last 12 months, you know, 12 months ago was was rock bottom it literally cannot get worse than that so from where i was then to now yeah 100% i'm a lot better am am i better no definitely not better you know only a few weeks ago i had had a really really bad bad day you know over over christmas time i was really bad um i'm 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 right the minute i've been all right the last few weeks yeah for sure but um I've just got to take it a day at a time. Um, yeah. And it's just about sort of when I have those bad days, how I manage those bad days and enjoying the good days. Yeah. You know, the last 12 months have been really hard. You know, we spoke earlier about work and stuff and the difficulties that we've had with, with yeah. work. But actually, you know, work's been tough. But if I think about, think about it, the positives from a personal perspective, I've spent more time at home than I could have ever imagined. And that relationship that I said I didn't have with my second, no matter how hard I tried, is there now. Yeah. You know, like I have an incredible relationship with her now. And I genuinely believe that is because she has had no choice but to spend every day <laughs> of the last year with me. Yeah. Um, so she's actually realizing you know, he's actually all right. Yeah. He can be useful. Um, yeah. So, Do yeah, right now, my relationship with both my kids are, is fantastic. Um, yeah. I couldn't ask for a better relationship with them both. You know, two young girls is is it's gonna be tough. But they um yeah, like I can definitely re- I can definitely relate to that because yeah. obviously doing the job that I used to do before this all started and I started yeah. my own business. Obviously, you know myself. You, obviously, you, you met me through through my old job, yeah. so you know I would be up and down the country. I'd be out. I was, wasn't at home two or three nights a week. When I was at home, I was knackered. Yeah, right. So, you know, 
my relationship my relationship with my boy was good but there's since changing that job and being at home every night and seeing him every day there's been a marked difference yeah big time. in the relationship that me and him have now to what it was 12 months ago yeah and, and it is it's about it's about being present and being there and have being able to share those moments and relationships that that, that you have and that's it we, we like you know i've gone from she would never come to me or if i tried to her no interest whatsoever it would make it worse to now sometimes if she gets upset she wants me she doesn't want mommy and yeah in a weird way i i, I like that <laughs> it's yeah quite nice. even though she's upset it's like oh actually you want me yeah now. like that's amazing yeah and yeah i appreciate that- it a lot more because of obviously how it was yeah and and, and that must help like, yeah, 100% nice. it does. yeah, yeah. So, my like I said, my little boy, our relationship's really good. The only thing he doesn't come to me for and won't come to me for is bedtime, and I am so happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like if I if I try to put him to bed, he will scream, really, Mommy! and I'm like. He wants you. Yeah, it's a shame. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Everything else, like you say, when he gets when he gets hurt, he'll come to me. Or, you know, we, yeah, we yeah. play football and all that. Um, but yeah, bedtime. Yes, she can keep that. Yeah, you've had a result there. <laughs> <laughs> you've had a result. <laughs> uh, so, Joe, moving forward, any more kids? Plans for the nah. future? Nah, done. Done. Yeah, always wanted to. Right. Um, I've got my two. They're both healthy. Um, they're everything I could have asked for and more. You know, we like, and this is nothing. Like when when you have a child, typical man thing to say is, "I want a boy. I want a boy. I want a boy." Yeah. yeah. And I was like that the first one. I, and uh, find out I have a girl. And as soon as you find out every girl, I, I didn't care. Like, fine, amazing. Second time round, people don't genuinely don't believe me. I wanted a girl second time round. Really. And I've got my second girl. And even now, like, if someone could guarantee me I'd have a boy, the third child, I still wouldn't. Really? Mm. Well, you, you'd have a, what? You just you just don't want any more? No. I've got everything that I need. Yeah. In the two kids that I have, I don't, <clears throat> don't need to add to that. Don't feel the desire or a need to, to add to that. You know, they get on incredibly well. They're everything I could have asked for and more. So I don't need, I don't need to go, don't need that. And is, no. is your part, is your partner on the same page? I hope so. <laughs> um, She's too busy know. playing Call of Duty. She couldn't too have busy, any more. Too busy in wars, in, in Verdansk. Um, to, to you can't get, hey, you can't get pregnant in that gulag. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> um, but yeah. Maybe, maybe on the PS6. Yeah. Yeah. New feature. Um, <laughs> But no, she no. I think we're we're on the same page. I'd be better, yeah. Yeah. I think I, actually, I think if I if I suddenly had a change of heart, which isn't going to happen, I think she maybe. But I'm so adamant that I don't. Then she's happy with that. I'd I'd love another one, but I'm not allowed. Right. <laughs> no chance. Yeah. yeah that, that they there are her words as well. No chance. No chance. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. She she always said you can have one, no more. Right. So that's why I was I was so desperate to have a boy, 
when, when when we had the us like you we paid for another an early scan yeah just to just to check mm-hmm. um honestly i'm not even i'm not even ashamed to admit that i cried my eyes out when i found out really? was having a boy yeah because i was yeah. so desperate for a boy you know yeah. you do people want to have that and and because i because i knew it was my one shot i was like but now I would definitely have a girl. Like I would love to have a girl yeah. now. Yeah. Um, that's and that's what I keep saying to us. I sure you don't want one, you know, little girl just for you. You dress her up. Yeah, no. yeah. It's it's such a myth I think that um, men only want like they they want a boy. Like it's, it's such a myth. I'm not interested in having a boy. Genuinely not. I love my football. And the typical thing is oh, I don't want a boy to have play football with that and stuff. Yeah, honestly, no, I'm not fast. Like I'm not going to go through all of that just to kick a ball around with a little boy um yeah so no the, both my girls are amazing um yeah. well, you're you're at that so your youngest is two right yeah so one what um the guy that i was talking to about who had the miscarriage he talked about those first those first two years as being at the hurt locker and yeah. you're in you're in, stuck in that hurt locker so they had they had their two like a, a year a year or two apart mm. and, and their their whole thing was if we're gonna have to let's just do it back to back let's stay in that hurt locker and when we're out of that hurt locker we're never going back that's a good idea <laughs> good idea actually because yeah mine two years eight months and you're right it gets a lot easier from sort of like two and a half onwards it gets a lot easier um, yeah like my five-year-old's dead easy and like she'll go to bed no problem she's at school um, and actually, like we we joke and say, like, imagine if we only had one, if we only had Robin now, how easy lock, how much easier lockdown would have been. Um, so you were nearly at that stage. You now she's two, nearly two and a half. So hopefully, it's only going to get easier. Yeah. So I'm not going. I'm not going to put myself through that again. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I think I think you're uh, as, as much as. As much as I would love another one, it's it's not easy. No. no. So uh, even pregnancy, we'll, uh, you, you can't no. say then, but the pregnancy is hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. Um, well, it is because it's you know it it's it's backbreaking work because whatever they want, yeah, you've got to get. Yeah, and you you have no choice in that matter. No. No, yeah, it's it's very much like. Can you do that? Yep. Can you do that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. No, but yeah. So that's that. Really. Yeah. So, Joe, look, hopes for the future. What 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 are your hopes for the future? Ha- grow the business, not grow the business. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, things are sort of hopefully. You know, obviously, the last sort of few days have looked a bit more pos- positive. So hopefully, definitely towards the back at the end of this year, we're um, yeah. in a much better mood than, than we have been for the last 12 months. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. you know, if, if there's anything I've learned from it, it's to just try and take positives out of every and any situation you can. You know, and even yeah. when I was at, right at the, the very bad stage that I was in, you know, take a positive from that. You know, I've experienced that and... I now know that I don't want to go there again. So do whatever you can not to get yourself back to that point. Um, yeah. So yeah, just, I'll take it a day at a time. Um, as we've learned the last twelve months, 
things are ever changing. So yeah, take it as it comes and just enjoy what you can and things will get better. I think um, the nation took a collective sigh of relief on Monday when Boris announced that the pubs were going to be back open and oh, we're going to reclaim the summer. Man, the Euros, pubs. Day before, isn't it? Is it day before? Yeah. And I'm going, mate. I've got tickets for it. Oh, are you going to the game? Yeah, England Czech Republic game. I've got tickets for, um, and I've got tickets for the quarterfinals in Rome as well. So I'm hoping there's no travel restrictions or anything affecting that. Um, and yeah, it'd be. Are they? Are they saying? Because I know they mentioned about capacity to stadiums being ten thousand. Are they saying after June it's back to normal? So the first two games um, against against Croatia and Scotland will be. 10,000. And it's the yeah, day yeah. before the Czech Republic game that all restrictions are lifted or something. Yeah. Whatever it is. I've certainly seen on Sky Sports News they're saying 90,000 at Wembley and I'm, yeah. I'm there. So <laughs> that's what I'm thinking of. So that'd be amazing. If that, is, if that genuinely is the first game back in this country with a full stadium, that's going to be yeah, amazing. It'll be amazing. I can't wait for it. Yeah. And we're going to We've been talking for two years about having this LA reunion. I think we need to get that sorted as soon as uh, we can. Definitely, <laughs> I think we need, we need to dig out our team Fury shirts and wherever <laughs> that wherever that AJ Fury fight is announced, I think we can go. I think everyone on the moon will go. I've got I've got a funny feeling that's going to be Saudi. Let's do it <laughs> <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I love I love traveling for the boxing, but I, I don't know if I fancy Saudi. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll just we'll, yeah, wait, wait and see. But um, I certainly think with the way things have gone the last year, that that neat that I think the people, the sports fans of this country, deserve that fight to be yeah. on home soil. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully their eyes aren't too. Yeah, I think if if you're right, and after June they can lift restrictions, sounds like a summer fight at Wembley. Yeah, right, hundred percent. And and we we all know there's a two fight deal on the table, so why not have the first but take one the second one AJ's, AJ's home of Wembley, and have the second one in Old Trafford, down the road from where Tyson Fury's that. from. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> two. two Fantastic, massive stadiums, like yeah. So you and I, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Like, why would they hundred percent Saudi? Other than the money, but they've earned yeah. enough money to. It's about they've gone about legacy and all this stuff. Well, the biggest fight they'd sell, they'd sell the tickets, they'd sell the pay-per-views. Yeah, I mean, even if, even in, I think if, even if they had it in the UK, they'd sell it. They'd have a decent pay per view from America as well. I think if they take it to Saudi, the pay per view yeah. numbers in the UK wouldn't be as good. I don't think. It, yeah, well, it'd be on a good time though, because obviously the time difference. It'd be on at a decent time. Like, I remember the AJ Ruiz fight was at a good time because it was in Saudi. Oh, it was about eleven, wasn't it? Yeah, so oh, God, it was certainly earlier than normal. Um, but um, yeah. It'd be amazing if that happens. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's certainly the biggest fight in my lifetime, if not ever. Are you still Team Fury? Oh, 100%, mate. 100%. <laughs> he, 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 could, he, could fight, he could fight my nan, I'd still be Team Fury. <laughs> I love the bloke. 
And, and you know what? You know, like I know we've obviously been on this for a while now, but a lot of that, or what he went through, I'm not, I said to you in the airport, you know, we saw the Eubanks in the airport. And yeah. I was the one saying, I'm not getting a photo with the Eubanks. Like, come on, man. I'm not one of these that <laughs> just goes and gets a photo of a celebrity. Then I'm fanged out and over Tyson Fury when we see him, right? Um, yeah. But what he's been through in his story, he, men can relate to that. Yeah. Uh, he he went to the very end and nearly carried it through yeah. with what he set out to, to do and bounced back. And he's now heavyweight champion of the world. So, yeah. I mean, if a bloke that was so bad, so overweight, massive drug problem, you know, in the public eye, stripped of his titles that he's so proud about, yeah. if he can go right to the very bottom and find a way to come back, Come back. become heavyweight champion in the world, knocking out supposedly the fiercest puncher in history. Well, I mean, we can do it, can't we? Yeah. We could bounce back. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And he is the perfect example. Like you say, he had it all, lost it all. He climbed the highest mountain and then yeah. fell crashing down from the bottom. But, you know, for me and you, the, the rise and fall would never be as big as would right. never be as big as as big as that right. um so for him to be able to to show that you know you can come back from this and you can get through it and with the right support and the the right attitude yeah uh, he 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 went from being like massively massively overweight with a drug problem driving his sports car at an obscene mile per hour towards a wall yeah so within two years becoming heavyweight champion of the world like you're talking one extreme to the other there yeah you know, the pinnacle in his sport within two years so if it's only taken him two years i'm sure he still has bad days yeah it's taken him if he can do that within two years it's amazing what we can do in a lot short time yeah yeah you just got. You just got to keep at it, mate. You got to keep talking to people. And if, yeah. if I don't know if you are, but if he's, he's continuing to get help, then just keep just keep yeah. doing it. Yeah. You know, it's, this is. Down. I think where a lot of people would falter with this is they think they'll have a, a moment where they'll get help and they'll think, oh, actually, I'm all right now. But then, back because like it's, it's not something you can control and it just comes on so it's gonna it's gonna be one of them things that you're just gonna have to constantly work on and constantly receive help for it but you just got to keep taking it yeah and you, you, your mind and your brain is like an incredibly complicated sophisticated yeah. piece of kit right it, just because you feel good one day things can change very very quickly um yeah so yeah i i you know do i think that i'll ever feel 100 percent? maybe not um but i've got to learn to live and cope and find a way to understand that this is who i am there's nothing wrong with that um no. but as long as i can control that and get on top of it then it doesn't matter no no as long as i'm on top of it then i can still live a good and happy life and do all the things I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. Um, Joe, look, listen, thanks for being so open and, and, 
and honest and talking about what you have. You know, like I said, I've I've known of you for a couple of years, and I didn't know any of that. And like you yeah, said, yeah. there's 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 going to be friends, I guess, that good friends of yours are going to be looking at this, thinking, bloody hell, I had no idea. Yeah, um, be. But you know, the whole the whole point of starting with this was to encourage other people not to suffer in silence and you know open up and if you need help go and get it go and ask for it and like like you if if it doesn't come the first time keep asking yeah yeah you know you know yourself better than anyone and if someone turns you away like they did with me then stick to what you know is right and yeah you've gone for help for a reason don't don't let someone tell you don't take no for an answer because no they don't know you they've known you for like a couple of minutes who are they to make yep. judgment yeah yeah listen Joe been brilliant speaking to you and um, Thanks, we'll get that reunion sorted out after June <laughs> yeah it's got to happen yeah alright mate nice one thanks mate cheers <laughs>